0: everybody this is sandra beck and i am so excited today because we have such a treat today we are going to be visiting with maria romero and for those of you following along at home check out our website it's true love knots now knots is spelled k-n-o-t-s so it's just like it sounds true love knots like tie the knot K nots.com, and she is a dating coach. She's a guru. She talks about finding love. She's a minister. And what I like most about her, first of all, she came through a friend of a friend in my fitness class. So gotta love that. But more importantly, the things that she stands for are things that are near and dear to my heart. About being yourself, being authentic, showing up, knowing what you want, and having the things in your life because you can have it all you might not be able to have it all at the same time but when you be yourself love yourself rock yourself you are with maria romano and i think i called you romero in the beginning so we'll change it to romano like the cheese we're so good i'm so glad to have you today this is so much fun
1: oh you know this is so exciting you know when you brought up true love knots and it just brought back a memory for me i'm going to digress when my uh, late husband was alive and I started Love Knots, True Love Knots, I was trying to come up with the name and he came up with it for me. And the reason he did is because the, um, either the Viking or the Celtics, when they used to go out to sea, they used to tie, they used to have this love knot tied by their loved ones so that they would come home. Oh and that's God. how you're coming home to love. So that's just maybe just spark that memory.
0: I love that. And everybody's seen the, you know, like the rings, you know, with the knots and things like that. And I love knots. I I grew up sailing, so I'm a big fan of knots. And but. (laughs) You know, the concept is so great. And, you know, what I think is important today is wherever you are, you know, you might be single for a long time. You might be newly single. You could be divorced. You could be in a relationship where you're not happy. You could be contemplating divorce. I mean, I've hit all of those, Maria. You know, you can be a widow. I haven't hit that one yet. But, you know, everybody is anywhere on the spectrum of love and relationships. And, What I like about your company is that you bring positivity, you bring hope, you bring solutions to many of us who find ourselves at 40, 50, 60, 70, and beyond going, is this all there is?
1: No, it's not. And that is so true. There's many people I meet, Sandra, that are at a point in their life and they feel they had their... Last Great Love. And that's not necessarily true. And that's because I think we're programmed to think that love is a product of romance novels, right? Movies, TVs, literature. But it really isn't. And it really is it's something that you need to manifest yourself and you need to implement a game plan, a blueprint, when you're ready to find love again. You know, I was telling you, I am a minister here. I've been doing this for 10 years in Las Vegas, and I've probably performed about 3,000 weddings over the last decade. Wow. I was hoping to get to a lot more than that this year because unfortunately what happened with the pandemic, but people are still coming in to get married. And all the people that I have met, I have to tell you, they come from all walks of life, all ages, but they had, a, they, had, they had manifested, they had made it a point that they were going to find love. And I think that's the key thing that you need to start with, is you need to make up your mind, no matter where you are in life, no matter, doesn't matter what you look like, but it matters that you know who you are and that you're ready and you will find a relationship. I agree. Well, and what I like about that is you're in control. You know, one of
0: the things that happened to me, Maria, is I got up one day with a three-month-old and a three-year-old to find out my husband of 10 years had met someone else. He didn't want to be with me anymore and within 30 days was gone. And, you know, walked out on our life and our finances and on everything. And, you know, I was scrambling to find who I was, because I was a wife and a mother, then all of a sudden I'm a single mother. And I don't like that term because it just feels icky. And I don't like the word divorce. So I don't use those words. I use recycled and I use a mom. And because <laughs> labels I think can really get
1: under our skin. Oh gosh, you know, and, it, and it's true. And, and there are many people that I have met that have unfortunately been in a circumstance where One partner decides, okay, they're disenchanted. And really, what the thing is, is there's like three stages in a relationship. And people then, one of the, that stage you go through is the stage where everything is like in a routine and it gets mundane and happens. You know, you have kids. So one person might be thinking about, but you know, the relationship used to be like this. And oh, it's not like this. And then they start the wanderlust that sets in. And that's unfortunately where the the infidelity can occur. Um, But You know, when you come to a point in life and recognize when you get to a, I like to call it a mature level, not everybody's mature, right? But Then they realize, you know, this happens, but the grass always looks greener on the other side. It's funny
0: how you mentioned the grass is always greener or the grass always looks greener. I can tell you that I can guarantee that the grass always looks greener on the other side when you play Best Fiends. And I really want to take a moment to thank our sponsor today, which is Best Fiends. And Best Fiends is so much fun. And it, it's a really great way to have some socially distant competition with your friends, your family. You know, it's got good music. The characters are cute. You get to collect them. And you can play with any age. And I think that's really important these days that, you know, this is something that my, my elder relatives could play or my young niece and nephew could play and we could all play together and it's a unique and exciting puzzle game unlike like there's nothing out there like this and they update their game monthly with new levels and events so it never gets old and I do find myself playing in the weirdest places Maria like sometimes I'm watching tv sometimes I'm you know waiting for the spaghetti water to boil and I can just pop on and play a little game you know play a round or two and it doesn't require internet to play which is so important so you You don't have to worry about Wi-Fi access or burning through your cellular data. And I like to collect the cute characters. And the music is really good. It's not like most games where the music drives me nuts. So Best Fiends has thousands of levels already with new levels, events, and characters added every month. It's hours of fun right at your fingertips. And don't forget, you can play offline. So with over 100 million downloads and tons of five-star reviews... Best Fiends is such a must play. So, download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's Friends Without the R. Best Fiends. It's super cute. They have little fangs. You're going to love them. So, download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's Friends Without the R best themes now Maria we were talking about the grass being you know people think like the grass is always greener but you know sometimes it really isn't and I think that that to me is like so much fun when you're the one that was left for the uh, greener grass
1: I've had many people come to me that have been in a situation like yours and let me tell you they gave up their assets half their assets some of these people sure. are wealthy and they found somebody that they thought was a better sleeker model. Okay, of course. And it hurts you. You you got those residuals, right? From, you know, the insecurities that occur, you feel like what the hell's wrong with me. And then that person gets married. And then they find out that that person was only attracted to other things wasn't who really who they were. They're sitting at home by themselves wondering, like, what did I do? It's a cycle. And it's a matter of you have to in relationships, you have to constantly you have to reignite the passion. And it doesn't mean you don't love each other, but you have to fall in love with each other again. And I speak about that too. it's, It's so critical. Well, it is. And, you know, one of the things that I've noticed, because I'm, I'm observing all of that disenchantment,
0: you know, for, you know, you know, when you get traded in for a sleeker, better, more fun model. Um, but for every every woman out there who's been, quote unquote, replaced, I just want to validate them and say, you know what? Nobody is clapping for you to take out the garbage. No one is. You know, there are days where, especially in the child raising years, I've done 16 years of it on my own, and I can tell you that There are tough days, there are boring days, and it doesn't mean that you love the person any less. But I really think, Maria, and I would like your take on this, my takeaway from from being left and then doing this on my own for 16 years is that, you know what, Maria, there was absolutely nothing wrong with me. Just because someone leaves you doesn't mean you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not funny enough. It's a dual commitment that you make to see each other through the tough times. That's why the words are for better or worse. And I just want to validate every man or woman out there that was left who struggled
1: with feeling that they're enough. And you know what? That's so true because, you know, everybody is worthy of love. Everybody yes. is worthy of that. And that's unfortunately, you know, Sandra, that's what happens in relationships. When somebody walks away, the, you know, you're laying in your bed going, what's wrong with me? You know, what did I do wrong? There's absolutely nothing you did wrong. Okay. And that's the key thing. I mean, yes, listen, relationships, sometimes we both have a bit of a hand in certain things. Sure. But that's where, when you have a blueprint, Okay. And, and you decide, okay, you've now experienced this. And that's what I talk about to people, is what I talk about if somebody's uh, never been in love and never experienced love, that's a different ballgame. But I really speak to people that have been in love, that have been left, whether they're widowed, divorced, and it hurts. And that's where you have to then t- pick Yourself up, and you know what? Nobody can really do this for you. I mean, yes, Mm. you need to go see a you know a psychiatrist. Absolutely, but you really you have to dig deep and soul search and recognize that you there are great you know you have great assets about you, and also we also have things that we need to work on. That there's nobody's perfect, right? So you know the thing is you need to keep validating with yourself. And you know when I tell this is a tip I can give you, and this is what I tell people is I I talk about be yourself, love yourself, and rock yourself. But one of the things I do is you need to be yourself, who you are, and love yourself. So one of the things you can do is you can start developing what I call your own love tribe. And that is people that have been your biggest coaches and cheerleaders in your life. And they may be alive, and they may not be alive today. But there has been people in your life that has helped you that has been the person that made you persevere to put one foot in front of the other and maybe get up. And, and maybe even it's, it's children too. Yeah. So when you take your love tribe with you everywhere, especially when you're in a situation when you feel a little unsure and you don't feel good enough, you don't feel like you belong. Heck no, you belong everywhere. So take your love tribe with you. And it does. it's, it's not easy. You've got to really learn to love yourself and really empower yourself. You do. You do. Well, and one of the things, you know,
0: that I've learned, you know, along this journey is that, you know, I have wonderful long-term friendships. You know, I have friendships going back 20, 30, 40 years, and I have a good relationship with my family. You know, things like this that go that, you talk about that tribe. And that was one of the big things that I leaned on was this tribe of going, look, you're very lovable. Look, we love you. We've been friends a long time. So therefore you're capable of sustaining, you know, a long-term relationship with someone. And that's the one thing that I see so clearly now is I think, you know, when you're 20, 30, 40, 50, at each part of those
1: decades, you want different things. And that's true. And that's where you talk about where you have to empower yourself and, and love who you are. And maybe you've got to re examine who you are because you're a different person today right? than you were 20 years ago, before you had children and now during your children. And what you want in a partner is so different than what you wanted 20, 30 years ago. Yes. Now, you hope that if you're in a relationship that you've both evolved together. I mean, that's everybody's hope. Nobody wants to get into it, but if it doesn't, then you just need to recognize, you know, what is really going to work for you. And you know what I tell um, friends, family, and clients, when you're in an early part of relationship, you've heard of that book, The Five Love Languages, by Dr. Gary Chapman, take, there's a free quiz, that you can take online and take it, and it tells you what your love language is. And I even recommend doing it in the workplace with the children to find out what type of love and language you like to receive. And when you do that with your partner and you do it not just once, but you do it again and again every so often, then you can understand that's where that communication comes in. Right? Absolutely. Like, let's just take an
0: example, like words of affirmation. Uh, Okay. At times in my life when my career wasn't going well, I needed a lot of words of affirmation and then When I had my children, I didn't need so much words of affirmation. I really appreciated a present like a massage, you know, some sort of self care present. So I went from being words of affirmation to, you know, kind of gifts and presents. And then, you know, kind of once my kids got older, now I'm more about quality time. So Mm -hmm. I have shifted in my needs in the matter of a decade. And so if I can shift, Everyone else can shift, but I'll tell you, when you have kids, and Maria, you got the joy of meeting my children, who are only two and a half years apart, one giant, one tiny, one kind of hippie, one kind of conservative, but one of them is really very much words of affirmation. The other one was gifts. Now, they've gotten to their teen years and have completely reversed. (laughs) So That's true. we have to constantly communicate with the people around us to find out what they need
1: because those needs change. Right. But you need to start with making sure your cup is full first. That is what I totally agree with you. And I was the same way. You know, gifts were great, but... Access service. If you can help me out, that yeah. as as a, as a mom, oh my gosh, or dad, you know, single parent, those are things you need somebody that can wash the dishes, do the laundry, help you out. And it's important that you understand. I think when you start with just that simple quiz, and it doesn't take simple. much, and you want to get really into detail, you can go for the Enneagram test. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Enneagram sure, sure. method, right? I mean, that's just. But in the meantime, there's so many things you can do as long as you work on who you are, and recognize. Don't just settle for somebody in your life. And I think right. that's what happens too. There are a lot of people that stay in relationships that are not necessarily, they don't serve its purpose and they don't serve those around you. Right. No. I mean, you've seen, so even though that was devastating, who knows what could have happened if, you know, if he wasn't willing your partner, but then he stayed for the children's sake. So that's well, always I- a tough. It's a tough call,
0: you know, and honestly, I look back now and go, his affair partner gets a Christmas card for me from life. Because <laughs> when I look at the person that I married and who that person has become, they're like night and day. And I don't, you know, because I think we change when, we're di- when different people experiences different relationships if I had to carry that dead weight for the past 16 years I think I would be overweight miserable maybe dead an alcoholic who knows but you know when I look back and I go what a great gift that was because it allowed me the freedom to become the best me, I could be without criticism, without, you know, having to fit into any box or mold. And I think a lot of us look back and go, you know, it was great while it lasted, then it wasn't great. And life goes on. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing life goes on, whether we want it
1: to or not. It it does. That's so true. You know, and I felt and I didn't have the same experience you did, but when uh, Frank passed away and Frank had a heart transplant in nineteen ninety-seven, so he oh, wow. lived till two thousand twelve. And I have I'm a step parent, so I have two stepchildren that are fifty and fifty-three. Fifty-three, right. And of course we had a daughter together, she just turned 35. So I got oodles of grandkids. And you know, and as I started thinking when you brought up, you know, you woke up and you had you know you didn't have your partner there and you don't get that um, support. And probably for me, what I miss the most is having somebody there to just kind of pick me up on those days, you know, and especially now with what's going on in the world, you know, we, we have to, we sometimes need, we can lift ourselves up, but it's nice to have somebody there that you want in your life that can give you those beautiful words of affirmation when you need them. Right. Or the gifts or the quality
0: time, you know, so let me ask you a question, because this is something that has, has kind of muddled around in my mind over the last 16 years, if you will, other than for religious reasons, or you want to have children and you want to have that that um, structure in place, why would someone get married today at 40, 50, 60, 70 years old? When they're self-supporting, they have their home, they have their money, they have their children, why get married?
1: Well, you know, I think for some people, that's just another validation Okay. that says to the world that this person wants me and legally they want me. But you're right. In today's world, you don't have to get married. If you're not going to be maybe raising kids together because you want to write, you want to be able to set an example, maybe for your children. But you know, it's interesting. I marry lots of people that have been together 30 years, 40 years, and then they decide and they have kids, they did it all and they want to get married because they feel now is the time. And you know, whatever that is that that fills their cup and they think works for them, I think that's great. But I do think it's important to remember that just because you're in a marriage, you're still individuals, and you can't, you've got to allow each other the, the opportunity to continue to grow. And sometimes that's doing things separately. But that's all right right, because when you come back and you share that experience, then your friendship blossoms, your romance blossoms. But to have that piece of paper, I think it's a matter of a security thing. And I have to tell you, even up, up to a few years ago, when I started dating again, and I waited, and there was somebody in my life, and I really thought, no, if they wanted me, they'd marry me. And I walked away. I walked away, it was for a good reason, but as I look back today, because I'm going to be 65, okay, and I want to tell you something. I would love to be in a relationship that's going to be beneficial for both of us, but I don't need that piece of paper to validate, and if I need that piece of paper to have somebody in my life and to be monogamous, no, or to be there, no, yes. I want them to want to be there, not because they have to be there. And that's
0: that's really, you know, I've said that a lot of times, like, you know, what I found out through my marriage is a piece of paper didn't mean anything. No, the person kept dating the person and you can say, Oh, well, that was a bad person. But no, it wasn't a bad person. It was just a person. Mm -hmm. And I married that person. And I learned that a piece of paper isn't even you know, what's written on there isn't even worth anything. It's the commitment you make, the vow you make to each other. It's the integrity. It's your character. It's all those things. And there are many of us that come to the table, you know, 15, 20 years later, after a divorce, after a failed marriage or after a failed relationship that say, you know what, I love you and I want to be with you. And the piece of paper doesn't matter to me. If it matters to you, that's fine. But I think we get to a point where we recognize the piece of
1: paper only matters to the person whose intent that signed it. Well, you know, that's true. And, and it goes back to like what I said, because we're programmed to think that when someone loves you, right? We think that we're, and I'm in the wedding business. I mean, I marry people. So people come and they've looked for this day, right? They got the perfect dress, the hair, the makeup. And they think that doing it that way is going to really solidify and set the romance and the marriage on the right path. And really, it starts from the beginning, has nothing to do with that piece of paper. Although I have to tell you, I do, this is what I always tell people, if you are going to cohabitate together, you need to have some sort of legal Commitment. document and not necessarily, I don't mean marriage, but have somebody drop some sort of domestic agreement that's going to really benefit both people. And that's the key thing because you never know what can happen. And that's what I recommend, especially if you don't think it's going to be marriage. I hope none of my Christian friends heard this.
0: <laughs> no, but I mean, here's the thing, like, you know, well, we, we can talk from a spiritual standpoint or we can talk a legal standpoint, right, you know, exactly. Detangling legal things in our country is a big mess. And, mm. You know, when you commingle funds, when you commingle these things, like I could see getting a marriage with a separate but equal prenup. I have mine, you have yours, anybody walks away, anybody breaks the fidelity clause, whatever, go our separate ways, you know, no co-ownership of things, but that's not reasonable for a lot of people. You know, that's reasonable for certain people. But one of the things that I find really interesting is the idea that a prenup, means somehow I love you
1: less. Hmm, I don't think so. It means I love you more because I'm making sure, you know, that I'm protecting you because you could buy a home with somebody and it doesn't even have to be a prenup. It could be just in you have a legal agreement sure. and you buy a home and something could happen to somebody. They can pass away through an accident an illness. So there you are, right? You've bought a home, you've made an investment together and there are errors. And sometimes, I hate to say this, but sometimes heirs are not always the nicest people when their parent was around or their, you know whoever the heirs are. So you need to protect yourself in that respect. So I look at it as I love you enough. I respect you enough so that we have everything spelled out. Right. And money does change everything. Oh, gosh, it does. It, and you know what? It's great if we can live on the land without, you know, pre, you know, Adam and Eve, but it's just not the case. No, it's not the case. And, you know, it's fun to have these conversations,
0: because they're very, um, we're giving people permission today Mm -hmm. to think about these things without judgment, without, you know, um, violating anything for anyone. We're just having a conversation, giving things for people to think about because I think, you know, when you talked about the idea, the wedding, if you set off the wedding nice, the marriage is going to unfold. Well, that's Hollywood. That's romance novels, you know, almost every romantic movie that you watch. And I'm a big Hallmark watcher. I love those. Last night, I mean, I, every night lately. Yes. <laughs> Christmas. Christmas in July, who doesn't yes, love it? But that doesn't mean I have the expectation of my partner to be the Hallmark guy and that, you know, I'm the Hallmark girl. There's stories, there's fantasies, there's things. But I think we are culturally conditioned in this country, especially to believe that, the end is the marriage.
1: When the marriage is just the beginning, we kind of just, have it backwards. That's true. There's a beautiful poem called The Art of a Marriage by Wilfred A. Peterson. Have you ever heard it? No. And there's a part in the poem that said the courtship should not end with the honeymoon. It should continue throughout the marriage. But, you know, it's an interesting point you make, Sandra, because generationally we are different. And there are, uh, currently we have six generations right now, which is really unheard of when you think about sure. it. Sure. And of course you have the Gen X generation, millennials and Gen Xers, and then you have boomers like myself. And some of us are conditioned that the end result is marriage. However, you have some millennials and you have, I think it's Gen Y, Gen Z, that they don't necessarily feel that way, that they make a commitment. And I heard an interesting vow from a couple that got married. I did their wedding in a helicopter uh, about a year or so ago. And this was so interesting because they said to each other, I'm committed to you for as long as my heart is in the relationship. Wow. Wow. That was profound. I that's profound. But they, they had decided to get married. But you know what? I think it's, it's becoming a very common that you can cohabitate, that you can raise children together and, and still have a, a, a great relationship and still go to, just so you don't have that piece of paper, but you have everything else intact.
0: Right. I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's it's kind of an anything goes, but I think at the core of this is what is okay for you. Because, you know, my marriage was not a happy one. And so I'm not really gung ho to run out and get married again. But that doesn't mean that I don't give up hope, you know, for maybe having that someday. But when I look at the opportunity that people have today, you know, I was raised very strict Catholic and then I married a Jew and that was a big deal. So we had to have an African Methodist Episcopalian minister marry us because she was my college roommate. She was a, a theological student at Northwestern when I was there, you know, so all of these things that were like, Whoa, you know, for the time that I got married. And then I look at my friends now, their kids are getting married and, They get to choose, they get to choose what commitment means to them. Like you said, that heart, you know, as long as my heart is in it, my thing about that though, is your heart's not always in everything. And there are times when your heart goes silent, where your heart is dormant. And I, I say this because I was in a relationship with a wonderful man and my mom got breast cancer, was sick and dying. And for that year that she was very, very sick and dying in the dying process, I didn't feel anything, Maria. You could have put a huge diamond ring, a Ferrari and a passel of kids in front of me and I still didn't feel anything. And so the heart can be tricky because when the heart is broken and it can be broken by something completely outside of the marriage or the relationship. And you don't feel anything. That's part of life. Like your husband died. How,
1: how was your heart after that in its receptivity to love anything? Uh, you know what? You go through that. You, you, and you think that, and, and actually and with the mom, you know, there's a bond. I mean, listen, you're in her womb. Okay, yep. there's no question about that. And, and that doesn't mean every parent feels that way about their child or every child feels the way, but obviously you were there and that is something that is like a part of you. Yes. And I think when somebody that is close to you that passes, it's as if your heart is cut in half, okay, as if somebody puts a knife through it. And that and it takes time to grieve and people need to give themselves the time. You know, it's interesting, Sandra, we don't give enough time in our country, to have people grieve. Oh, actually. And I, and I went to some great grief counseling uh, courses, and I heard this great doctor, and I'm trying to remember his name right now, but anyway, he, um, he talked about a, a large company hired him because there was a gentleman whose four-year-old son was killed in an unfortunate accident, and he ran a large division of a company. And they wanted him back to work in two weeks because they felt that was enough time to mourn. Oh, right. Right, and yet other, you know. So we got to really allow ourselves and give ourselves the opportunity to mourn. And I think that's the biggest thing. And like you said, your your heart. So even if you had somebody in your life at that time, I think that that's where um, it's always good to go and take some additional grief courses because there's so many stages. It's like in any addiction, they have that third, what, 13 step process or 12 step process. But the point is that you need that because the person in your life needs to kind of understand, they don't know how you feel exactly, but they can maybe empathize. And I think empathy is, is important. That's, and you know, let's
0: talk about grief for a moment here because you know, the grief, yes, I I get a kid, a mom, a spouse, like those are big, obvious ones. But there are grief associations as deep as that with somebody who's had a pet for 17, 18 years. And I've seen people kind of look at people and go, well, she had that cat for 19 years. Like, that's a loss. You know, your foreclosure on a home. Absolutely. That's a loss. Like grief is associated. We, we very much accept it for death. But we don't accept it for divorce. We don't accept it for financial loss, company loss, losing a job after 20
1: years. Like all of these things do contribute to that grief. You know, that's Dr. Alan Wofeld. That's who I went to see. He wrote over 35 books, and you can look him up. I know he speaks throughout the country. He, taught, he wrote different books, people that are coping, like you said, a, a way of a lifestyle, their pet, their child, having a diagnosis sure a medical diagnosis too so there, and that is a loss because what you're thinking is that diagnosis is with the whole family with your friends so it's not just that one person and that that is so important that people understand that it's not just a per, and to have somebody say you had that cat for 20 years it's like they said well you had your husband for 33 years well right. you know that really that's the worst thing you can't say <laughs> right? It's the worst thing. People don't run I when I went and took some of these classes, I like, oh my God. Here we say, Oh, you know, God got another angel God, no. You know what? People don't look at it that way. No. But I do console myself because I am a Catholic and I do feel that my late husband's always there with me watching me. So he's the angel. <laughs> a- a right, right. But it's taken you how many years to get okay with that? Well, it's eight years it'll be, and it really took me a long time to get over that. And I think, and that's interesting you bring that up because when people jump from relationship to relationship, and you've seen it as well as I have, you really need to take the time to heal and you really need to understand why that last relationship might not have worked right? and examine that before you move on. That's, I well, think yeah, that's-
0: because you when you move on, I mean, I found a lot of people, I'm slow. Okay, I'll be the first one to say it. I was late to get married. You know, I'm late to figure out my life. I had my kids in, in, in later years, like everything was late for me. And About a year after my marriage uh, ended and my mom died, they ended the same. My marriage ended in July. My mom died in September. So I had compounded grief. And I went through a foreclosure during this process because of the divorce. So, you know, kind of a whole bucket load full of stuff. But people kept saying, well, how come you haven't moved on? Like, really, you're still grieving over your mom? And I kind of would go through this grief wheel of going – Something might trigger my mom, then I would think about the divorce, then I would think about the foreclosure. Like, you know, it was all mixed up, but I felt this pressure from a lot of people to move on quickly because my grief caused them discomfort because we live in a society, which is if you don't like it, chop it off. If you don't like it, lift it, fill it, plump it. You know, we're, we're not aging, we're aging backwards, you know, all these different philosophies and grief is ugly. And
1: relationships ending are ugly. And we don't live in a culture that supports those ugly moments. And they need to. And maybe maybe what we're talking about today is going to spark some conversation amongst people around the dinner table. So speaking of your mom, you know, there's times I'm sure in your life that you memorialize her. Maybe you go down the aisle in a grocery store and you see a can of Campbell's soup that just might, you know, whatever it is that you should, you should stop. You should memorialize her. She was an important part of your life and there is no reason. And that's the toughest thing for people that are in relationships and the a person had, maybe they lost their spouse or whoever, because they need to understand that even though they might love that new person, there were things that they enjoyed in the past. And even if it's a divorce, there were still things you're going to memorialize and you should be free and feel free to talk about that and not have somebody say, Ooh, They didn't get over it. That's not the case. They're just sharing. They're memorializing the good parts about that person's life.
0: Absolutely, yes. absolutely. Well, you know what? This has gone so fast. We could talk for hours, and I'm sure we will. I can't wait to have you back. Um, so it's Maria Romano, who's our guest today, TrueLoveKnots.com. So knots, K-N-O-T-S.com. There are so many different things you can do on her website. There are so many things to watch, to look at, to do, to see. So I encourage you guys today, if you love today's show, go Go ahead and head over to TrueLoveKnots.com. I need to disclaim this. There was no exchange, no payment, no anything today. Maria came to me from a friend of a friend, and I'm bringing her to you today because I love what she does. I love what she stands for, and no endorsements or product fees have been paid for today. We'll be back again next week. Check out TrueLoveKnots.com. On behalf of Sandra Beck, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques
1: on Coach.